Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 307. It's not deja vu. We're back again with another cruise review on Mariner of the Seas. This time, I took the family on a three-night sailing to Nassau, Bahamas, and perfect day at Coco Cay. And I've got a wrap-up of everything we did. Here we go. If you've listened to some of the older episodes of this podcast, I'm not older, just recently in the last couple of months, you know that I've done a couple cruises on Mariner of the Seas, and I've also done a cruise to Perfect Day at Coco Key when it opened back in May. And we're back for this particular sailing on Mariner of the Seas to talk about this sailing. This was a three-night Mariner of the Seas sailing out of Port Canaveral, Florida. And as I mentioned, it was really, it's all about the destination in this case. I mean, we love Mariner of the Seas, but I wanted to bring my family back to perfect day at Coco Key. I had such a great time there on on Navigator of the Seas Then I had gone solo on that on that sailing. So for this one, I wanted to get back as soon as possible and I wanted my family to come with me. And so while I was still on Navigator of the Seas, I booked Mariner. I actually wanted to book probably Navigator in a perfect world, but my wife, and to her credit, I think in retrospect, I think she was right about this, was while we would have liked to have gone on, on Navigator, having Mariner in Port Canaveral made it such an easier trip for us because we live in the Orlando area and Port Canaveral is about an hour away or so. So it was much easier to manage. In fact, the day of the cruise, I did something I've never done before, which is I actually worked during the day and then drove over at lunch. So yes, for those of you keeping score at home, I did not get to the terminal super early. I did not go straight to the terminal early in the morning. I was not among the first people to get on board. It was quite a change of pace for me, I got to tell you. But actually getting over there was really easy. There was probably more traffic on, on the highway, the main highway that goes from Orlando to Port Canaveral, which is a 528. And it was not, nothing terrible, don't get me wrong. I just thought, you know, Friday morning or lunchtime, you know, going really, I mean, the only people who really go to Port Canaveral are really for people going to the weekend, I suppose. And my wife said probably some folks were getting a head start on their weekend. So maybe that's what it was. But we got to the terminal. Easy peasy, parked the car, dropped the stuff off, and we were in. Actually, what was really nice was we had expedited arrival. Actually, my wife did. So we have two rooms on this particular sailing, both connecting balcony rooms. And when we did the online check-in, both my wife and I, we she got expedited arrival. I did not. I Frankly, why you get it or don't get it is kind of a game. So if you're going to ask, hey, Matt, how do we get expedited arrival? I don't quite understand it myself, uh, but yeah, she got it. So I wasn't complaining. What's nice about expedited arrival is when you get to the cruise terminal, instead of going to the regular line to go through security and check in and you know them check your your cruise documentation and whatnot, there is a separate line for folks with cru- with expedited arrival. So but in Port Canaveral, the way it works is when you walk into the building on the left side, there's a special line, and that allowed us to bypass the main line, go straight to some uh, folks there who were taking in the check-ins. They had tablets, went right to them, finished the check-in, we're good to go. Now, the lesson also to be learned is while I did not have expedited arrival, my wife did, didn't matter. I just followed it. I call it the fullback method, which is I sent my wife in first because she has it, and I just followed her quickly behind, right? Just like a fullback does for the running back, if, if I'm getting my NFL running back memes correct. Anyway, that's what I did. It worked fine. I mean, and also don't ask questions. Don't be like, hey, excuse me. I don't have expedited arrival. My wife does. Like, just <laughs> go until someone tells you you can't go kind of thing. So anyway, we did the expedited arrival. And then, of course, this was already 1230 or so, probably in the afternoon. So the boarding process already begun. And they told us you're good to go. And after security, we went straight on board the ship. We didn't have to stop anywhere. There was no boarding procedure. We just went straight on. Now, they did give us, as part of the expedited arrival, they gave us these little placards 
They were bright orange and said expedited arrival. That may have played a factor into why we were able to go straight on. I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I didn't see a ton of people waiting around, but there definitely were some people milling about. So who knows? Maybe they're waiting for family. They're going to the bathroom, whatever the case may be. But no issues there. And we were able to board the ship right away. And when we got on board, this was about 1245 now. I actually ended up going straight to the stateroom to wait for it to open because I needed to do some more work on this day. This is kind of how I managed to sneak another cruise in here was uh, because I can work from anywhere and I was really on my lunch break here getting over, I was able to do a couple more hours of work and uh, and enjoy that more, <laughs> enjoy it as much as I could. But it was perfectly fine. Uh, you know, working from the ship, we had a balcony room and uh, plenty of cell signal to be able to get the internet connection going. So I was able to do everything I needed to do that afternoon. My wife, meanwhile, took the kids up to the Windjammer, had lunch, feared not my friends. I also ran up there to grab something to eat as well um, and, you know, did my work. Uh, the rooms themselves connecting balcony rooms on deck six. And I got to tell you, I kind of dig in di deck six. My last couple of cruises, I've been on deck eight or nine of a Voyager class, and I always thought that was a really good spot because you're kind of equidistant from the prom Royal Promenade as well as the pool deck. But I kind of really sort of enjoyed being on deck six because deck six is one deck above the Royal Promenade. And there was no noise issues at all. And what was best about it was we were able to get down there. If you wanted to grab, grab a slice of pizza or send the kids down to get something, I mean, you were just a hop, skip, and a jump away from there. And I kind of feel like we spend, we end up going down to the promenade more than maybe we go up to deck 11 or deck 12. I mean, it, it depends on the cruise, obviously, and what's happening. But I just felt like it was really convenient to have that. So my, my go-to recommendation if you're looking for a good deck on a Voyager class ship is anywhere between six and eight is probably my go-to recommendation now. I really do enjoy that. Also, I'm, I'm a big, big fan. I've been doing this for a while now, but I'm not sure I mentioned on the podcast, is when I do pick my rooms, I always try to be near the elevator bank. Uh, the reason being is that it's just, it's so convenient. And I know a lot of people say, oh, worried about noise. I was one of those people too. I'm telling you, I never heard a peep uh, from anybody walking. I mean, maybe somebody was really loud walking by, but it's not like you hear the elevators going off or anything like that. There's enough separation. No problem at all. And these were two standard balcony rooms, so they had plenty of space for the four of us to spread out. Having the extra bathroom, so, so worth it. I, I tell everybody, if you're cruising with a family and you're looking for a good room setup, do not try to squeeze in four into one room, whether it's a suite or not. My advice is to actually get two smaller rooms or just two connecting rooms to be able to get that extra separation, especially if you're the parents and you got kid, younger kids or kids of any age, I suppose. I don't, don't know that I, <laughs> anybody listening wants to sleep with their, in the same room as their adult children. But at the same time, having that extra, the, the separation, having that extra bathroom really, really made a big deal for us. So I was quite happy with that. Now, in terms of this sailing, there's a couple mantras or things I want to hit on. And the first is uh, really uh, something that came to mind almost immediately, certainly within NASA Bahamas, which is your cruise is what you make of it. And what I mean by that is, of course, when you're planning your cruise, when you're at home, you're listening to your favorite Royal Caribbean po podcast, right? And you're reading RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com and you're on the Royal Caribbean Blog message boards, you're probably thinking to yourself about your next sailing. And you've got this idea of you on a Nice chair somewhere, maybe perhaps on a beach, perhaps on the pool deck, enjoying a great cocktail. The sun is shining. The birds are singing, if there are any birds around you. The wind is blowing quite gently over you as you cheer your glass with your spouse and your kids wave to you and say, Papa, thank you for this wonderful vacation. We're now going back to Adventure Ocean where they will watch us forever and ever and you can enjoy your evening without being disturbed. Goodbye, farewell, ta-ta. Right? 
And then you wonder, why do my kids have British accents? And then you wonder, is that really what it's going to be like? And the answer is, of course, no. But on this cruise, we took it to the next level because on this cruise, we had some great, great plans lined up. But unfortunately, the weather did not cooperate. From pretty much the get-go, the set sail day, uh, embarkation day, not, not a problem really at all. But I think from that night all the way through the end of the cruise, literally, it was raining most of the time. So I've never experienced a, a cruise, quite frankly, in the Caribbean where we had that much rain consistently. Certainly rain can occur. I've, I've encountered my fair share of it. Usually it's a passing experience. Usually it doesn't really inundate you. And it's more sunshine than anything else. And I, in fact, if someone were to ask me, you know, I'm going on a cruise, should I worry about the weather? I'd say, absolutely not. No. But on this one, it's just the, the odds did not go in my favor on this particular sailing. And this is, you know, this is a kind of a situation you, you reach a crossroads in a situation like this because it could happen to you. It's probably not going to happen to you. I mean, again, I'm looking back on my years of cruising and I know this is the anomaly, not the rule or anything like that, but you have to understand it can happen. But the 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 lesson that I wanted to share with all of you is you got to make the best of it. You can't let it dictate your cruise experience. You can't let it say, you can't let yourself fall into the trap of saying, well, it rained our entire cruise. We couldn't have any fun because everything we had planned was canceled or we had to change our plans and you can't possibly, that's, that's the end of it. And the reality is you can still have a great time. Uh, here's the example I want to share again. In Nassau, Bahamas, we had actually made plans. I found this awesome, great idea to rent a yacht for uh, between myself, my, our family, and another uh, couple that was sailing with us. We thought it'd be great to rent this yacht. It was actually not that expensive, especially for the amount of time you got and everything like that. It was it was going to be amazing. Like I was super excited for my family. I was super excited for blog purposes. I thought it would look awesome. Uh, and my kids were, were excited for it. But about the evening of the uh, embarkation day, so we haven't gotten to Nassau. Our itinerary, by the way, was uh, Port Canaveral on embarkation day, then Nassau, Bahamas, perfect day, Coco Key, and then back home, right? So there's three-night cruise. And on the evening of night one, we're, on, we're, we're just getting into the celebration of, yay, the cruise is here, and I get an email or a text message, I forget which one it was, from the people I'd booked the, cru the yacht from, and they had said, look, we're, 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 we talked to the captain, uh, we looked at the weather forecast. It looks it looks pretty bad. And they sent me a screenshot of the weather forecast. And they basically said, look, the captain said, because you got kids on with you, this would not be an enjoyable sailing. I mean, there's there's it, it just goes from bad to worse. There, there's just this would not be we, we feel bad about taking you out there. So as a result, we're going to give you a refund, which obviously is really nice because a lot of times when you book third party excursions, most of the time, they'll tell you, hey, whether rain or shine, you're going on this excursion. You booked it. But it says a lot, and I, and I and I appreciate it, that they canceled it. But obviously, I was disappointed. We were all disappointed by it because we had been talking about this for days. And we were – this was – I mean, perfect days why we booked the cruise. But this yacht day was going to set us up for – we thought, like, you know, bam, a one-two punch, right, and really have a great, great time. But it didn't work out that way. And you know what? I struggled with this a lot internally because I want—I had these high hopes already in my mind and I wanted to meet and match and exceed those high hopes. So then I was looking at other choices out there and nothing really, you know, we could have gone to like a place like the Baja Mar, which is a beautiful resort that's fairly new, a great alternative to Atlantis. But in order to go there, to be cost effective, to get a day pass, you need to get a room. And it ended up being, it almost ended up costing like as much as the yacht, right? And the weather went, and of course the day of Nassau, Bahamas, we saw the weather, it looked terrible. So we ended up just canceling it all and taking it really easy. And this is why I'm trying to bring this full circle now. For me, it took a lot in me to say, you know what? 
Sera Sera. Do you guys remember the song K Sera Sera? It's an old, it's an oldie song from the, I believe it's from the '60s. I don't think it's a '50s song. It could be, but uh, I think it's Doris Day who sings it. And you know, the 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 basic lyrics of the song here, you know, K Sera Sera, which is French for whatever will be will be. The future's not ours to see. K Sera Sera. And you can go Google and listen to somebody singing who's a lot better pitched than I am. But the bottom line is, this particular uh, sailing, this day in Nassau was exactly that mantra, which is that, do I have any control over the weather? No. Does anybody in my group have control over the weather? No. Does anybody in the world have control over the weather? No. So you know what? You got to make the best of it. And it ended up being a rainy day, so we took it easy. We let the kids sleep in. We enjoyed some time exploring the ship. We did a bunch of trivia. I actually went off the ship for a little bit down to the uh, one of my favorite bars in Nassau, Bahamas, which is the Pirate Republic Brewery. Easy over there. We had a couple beers, walked back, got rained on, but you know what? It's better than being at home. That's the other thing. Remember, no matter what's happening, you're still better than being at home. And at the time, as disappointed as I was that our plans fell through, I would still rather be on a cruise than be at home. So that started us off over there. Our next day was Perfect Day at Coco Key. And Perfect Day at Coco Key, again, really, really excited for this. And the captain said, look, you know, give us a weather forecast. And he's like, you know, should be better weather than a Nassau. You've got some passing showers. But here's what really happened in the day. Weather-wise, it was cloudy throughout the day. The sun may have peaked through about twice for about two seconds. Uh, and it did rain and thunderstorm on us for a f- about, let's say, two hours of the afternoon we're lost to thunderstorms. Because when there's lightning, it's one thing if it rains on you. It's no big deal. You're already in the water doing whatever. They don't care. But when there's lightning, they really, Royal Caribbean shuts everything down. You can't go in the pool. You can't go on the, the water slides. You can't go on the zip line. You can't go on the helium balloon. So you're really just kind of sitting around a lot. And that, that unfortunately... It sounds like so far, wow, man, you've had a terrible time. But we didn't. We made the best of it. Let me explain to you what we did. First of all, for Perfect Day Coco Key, because there were six of us, we ended up getting a Thrill Water Park cabana. I'll be honest, before the cruise, when I booked it, I probably wasn't angling for a cabana. I would have told you, look, we're going to be doing so much. Kids are going to do like a thousand activities there. Why would we get a cabana? It seems like a waste of money. We'll never spend any time there. But the reason we got a cabana was for twofold. Number one, when you buy a Thrill Water Park cabana, unlike the other cabanas, it includes up to admission for six guests to Perfect Day Coco Key. Uh, in the water park, I should say. Sorry, not the island, for the water park. So you get admission for up to six people. And if you do the math on how much the water park admission costs times six and then look at the cabana costs, the cabana itself only ended up coming up about $200 more. I was lucky I caught it on a Memorial Day sale. And I think the price dropped a little bit to help that math move more in my favor. But... That, that So that was number one. But number two was also to have a centralized location because I knew that between my older daughter and my younger daughter, they're going to want to do different things at different times. Sometimes the older can only do certain things that the younger can't do. So we're going to have to you know split and conquer, right? divide and conquer between my wife and I and the kids. And so I knew that I would feel better having a cabana because that way we can leave our stuff there. We can go to the other side of the island if we wanted to and not be concerned that, oh gosh, we don't have an eye on our stuff. That's a really common concern among people who go to any port for that matter, to say, oh, you know, we want to go swimming, we want to go do activities, what do we do with our stuff? And there are complimentary lockers on the island, so that needs to be said there. But for us, I felt like it would be good to have a central location where we can keep our stuff, it would be safe and secure, and also give us maybe a little bit of a break. If one kid wants to take a nap, if another one is just having a bad day, if, you know, we just want to chill there and have lunch, it makes it for a centralized location, and that was one of the best decisions I made. We, It was great to have that spot it was great to, I think the math worked out for us for the Thrill Water Park. And moreover, because of the bad weather, 
we were when it, when the rain started rolling, we could see it coming. I mean, it was really obvious there was a thunderstorm coming. We all went back to our cabana, and it was wonderful not having to like seek shelter under some random umbrella somewhere. And we, my wife said, as soon as it started raining for about a minute, she's like, "I'm so glad you got this because this it would have been." It would have been much more difficult with the kids if we had to go somewhere. We could have gotten like a public venue like Chill Grill or Captain Jack, something like that, and just huddled over there. But this made it so much easier. And and so for that reason, I'm not saying everybody has to get the water park commander or any commander for that matter in order to have a good time. Far from it. But this is the kind of conversation you need to have in your mind, especially think about your your family, who's cruising with you, what your expectations are, things of that nature. So the commander was great. The water park was really nice. Uh, we were there. I should mention, I should, I'm like all over the place here. I should mention at Perfect Day, we actually were in one of two ships docked at the island. Uh, Empress of the Seas was there as well, which was a surprise to us. I know I looked at the uh, at the schedule for the island. There's a number of third-party websites that have schedules for what ships will be in what port. Uh, a great example is uh, CruiseTT.com. The letter is T. CruiseTT.com has a bunch of them. Anyway, I looked it up. There was, we were the only one there. And then, lo and behold, Empress is there. Obviously, it made sense because Royal Caribbean had to change all of the itineraries recently for Empress of the Seas and Majesty of the Seas due to the recent uh, banning of cruise ships going to Cuba. So I imagine that's what happened here. Um, it didn't have a terrific impact on us. I mean, you got to keep in mind, a lot of people say, oh my gosh, two ships. And I was saying, well, if you take the passenger count on Mariner and Empress, it's just about, if not a little short of, the amount of passengers on one Oasis-class ship. So basically what I'm saying is it would be really no different than if I was on Harmony of the Seas here versus, you know, two of us there. But... It was fine. Uh, my here's my recommendations for the water park, and I'm going to tell you this, and, I, and it worked out quite well for us. Number one, you got to get up in the, off the ship early. You have to be there as soon as it opens if you want to minimize your waiting in line. If, you, if your goal is to go to the water park and your goal is to minimize the amount of time you're waiting in line, but still do all the slides, you absolutely positively must get off the ship early. I was off the ship at 8 a.m. In fact, when we got down to deck one, they hadn't cleared the ship yet, which was surprising to me because it probably took. We waited on deck one for about. 20 minutes, I would say, before the captain clear, or we were, captain said we were clear. And I'm just like, I mean, I get it. There's there's a, there, you know, when a ship is cleared, the local officials from that country, in this case the Bahamas, need to clear the ship. But this is, this is Coco Key, you know, this is their private island. There's no one else here. It's, I don't understand. This should be a rubber stamp situation if you ask me, but what do I know? Anyway, we got, but we were off the ship at 8 a.m. We went straight to the water park and we were able to do the major water slides with in short order uh, we did the raft slide went to the slingshot slingshot we did the raft slide first then my uh wife and friends went to go do the daredevil's peak slide i took the kids to go do some other slides and then we were able to go back and go on the tandem raft uh, a tube slide i should say and then after that the kids slides are you know there's never much of a wait for those the adventure park the water park all easy to do. So that's number one. Number two, I love the wave pool. The wave pool was way better this time. I think because I wasn't in the right spot. Here's another tip. For the wave pool, if you want the bigger waves, you really want to feel the waves and the, the motion in the ocean, go to the extreme left or right of the wave pool. I think because of the way the waves are generated, that they, in the middle you have the least amount of waves. It seems kind of odd, but it's because I think the motion, the flow of the water moves outwards, and so it runs into the wall, which constrains the wave pool, and then you get the bigger waves on those sides. And if you really go far out there, I mean, you can really have the water can will not can will go over your head. And it, it there were a couple times I had to swim back. I was like, I need to break from this. I can't I can't keep up with this anymore. So it was a lot of fun. We probably spent most of our time in the wave pool. That was extremely good. The adventure pool is a little pool for kids. There's little lily pads and there's a rope, two rope swings. There's a rock climbing wall. It's all in the water. 
kids loved it. It was a good challenge for them. And if, you, if they have too much energy, send them over there to burn it all out because <laughs> it'll be gone in a second. And, you know, Thrill Water Park was great. I made a little trip over to the Oasis Lagoon just to check it out. It was great on this one. I mean, obviously, I love the Oasis Lagoon. We were there. That's the uh, largest freshwater pool in North America. Uh, it was open back in March when we were on Mariner last time. But here we had no issues there whatsoever. It was it was fun. But I we already were in the water park, so that was our day. The kids also enjoyed their time at Splashaway Bay and the Captain Jill's Galleon. And Captain Jill's Galleon and Splashaway Bay are the complementary splash pads, if you will, for any for kids to enjoy. The nice thing is they are complimentary and they're not part of the water park. So if you're looking to do keep costs down, you've got children. And I would say if your kids are under the age of 11 or 10, this is probably a great spot for you. you certainly don't need the water park. Throw a water park is really if you want to do the water slides. I mean, the wave pool, I think, is really a lot of fun. And the adventure pool was nice as well. But you're, if you're going to throw a water park, it's because you want to do a lot of slides. Otherwise, seek somewhere to do something else to do elsewhere because I just don't think it's worth the money for you. Uh, but if you've got kids who want to have a fun time just splashing and riding slides, they still have, of course, the Splashaway Bay and uh, Captain Joe's Galleon. These are much more juvenile, so keep that in mind. But, for, again, if you are if you've got elementary school-aged children or just about there, this is going to be a perfect spot for them, and they really enjoyed that quite a bit. And, again, food-wise, it's all about Snack Shack. They've got great food on the island. I mean, there's a lot of variety, right? There's, there's uh, Captain... Um, Captain Jackson serves up actually food that costs extra, which I don't know that why. I'll be honest. I don't know why anyone would go there to spend money. There's just so much, so much more other good food on the island. I'm not sure. I, all they serve up is wings and fries. And I'm like, I love wings and fries as much as the next guy. But I don't know. I'd save that for the shit. Go to Playmakers and enjoy wings and fries if you want. But anyway, you've got you've got uh, Skipper's Grill. You've got Chill Grill. And, of course, you've got the Snack Shack. All I ever did was eat at the Snack Shack. The snack, there's a location in the water park. There's also another location or two. I can't recall. On the island itself, complimentary. The crispy chicken sandwich was amazing. The mozzarella sticks, amazing. That's all I did is just eat those. I just, in fact, one time there was a when 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 the when the thunderstorm came by and everything was shut down. I literally said to myself, "I'm going to go over to the <laughs> go to snack shack and get another sandwich. <laughs> if I'm not going to be riding water slides or in the wave pool, I'm going to be eating." <laughs> and that was my perfect day right there. So you know what? We made the best of it. Rain or shine, there was one point there was a passing shower in the wave pool, and we're like, well, there's no lightning. We're staying in the pool. We had a great time. I, mean, I didn't even notice it stopped raining at one point. And so, again, don't let the weather dictate how fun or not fun your vacation is. You can dictate that. Now, back to the ship itself. In terms of our onboard dining, we pre-booked the Izumi hibachi. My kids love that. I love that. It's a ton of food, by the way. Uh, if you're going to hibachi on any ship, do not eat anything at least four hours beforehand because there is just so much food between the fried rice, the vegetables, the protein that you're ordering, and, of course, the desserts that come afterwards. Uh, I would also add, as much as I love sushi, do not order any sushi. It's a you'll never, you must eat, you have to open up your second or third stomach in order to be able to eat all that uh, comfortably. So, yeah, it was, it was a very good meal. Uh, we always enjoy hibachi, and it's become now, honestly, if there is a ship we go on that has hibachi, I just book it straight up. If you want to do hibachi, definitely pre-book that. It's so popular. Do not wait to get on board the ship to use it. And since your dining packages don't apply to hibachi, there's no problem there whatsoever. Day two, we took advantage of our Diamond Plus BOGO offer. So as Diamond Plus members in Crown and Anchor Society, for night one or night two of the cruise, we, my wife and I, both the adults in there, get a buy one, get one free meal at a specialty restaurant. Again, hibachi not included in this. So our choices were really... Uh, Chops Grill or or uh, Jamie's Italian. I went for Jamie's Italian. 
I know some people aren't biggest fans of Jamestown. I do. I like it quite a bit. We were on a good Italian food kick, so we went for there. Can't complain again about that. I enjoyed the meal quite a bit. And then the last day of the cruise, we just went up to the Windjammer. We just the the Windjammer called us. We were this was the perfect day day, so we were done. We did not want to. We came back. We showered. I think I took. I fell asleep on the couch. And then I was like, okay, you know what? We're not going. To, we're not going to. I don't even want to go to Playmakers. I just want to put on a pair of shorts. We're going to go to the Windjammer. We're going to eat some food there, and we'll be done with it. And then we'll call it a day. Plus, I already eaten like five crispy chicken sandwiches, so I wasn't quite uh, <laughs> starving by any means. But it was, you know, still great. Uh, in terms of the ship, you know, it was interesting because we had just been on the ship in March, so that was about three months ago, and I was genuinely surprised how few crew members we recognized on board. There were maybe two or three that we recognized, and that was surprising because, again, this isn't like we went on the ship like last year or two years ago or something like that. This was three months ago, and then that many people had shifted off or gone on vacation or what have you. It was very surprising to us. I think we expected to really to have almost a homecoming kind of situation where we'd be like, hey, remember that guy? And oh, yeah, that waitress was really cool. Like, no, there was like like two or three people, honestly. And it was kind of surprising. Otherwise, ship was great. We really did enjoy the cruise. Uh, it was it was exactly what we wanted minus the rain. It was that weekend getaway, perfect day. The kids loved it. So from that standpoint, I consider it a win. I consider it a success. It may not be our favorite cruise of all time by any means, but we still had a great time on board. That is why we love this sailing. I was already bothering my wife, bugging my wife to book another one. She kind of gave me the look, and I've <laughs> gave me the look every day of the cruise. I was like, okay, I guess we'll back off on that one. But not to fear, my friends, because if you're sitting there saying, oh, poor, poor Matt, doesn't have a cruise to look forward to anytime soon, you'd be wrong about that because in less than three weeks, we're going on Royal Caribbean's Anthem of the Seas. This is a previously planned for a really long time cruise. It is a nine-night sailing Anthem of the Seas. It's a Royal Caribbean blog group cruise in which many other Royal Caribbean blog readers and podcast listeners are joining me for this sailing uh, out of Bayonne, New Jersey. We'll have a lot more about that coming up here. We'll do a cruise preview, cruise review, since it is a nine-nighter. There's a lot to talk about on this particular sailing. So we'll get to that in a little in an upcoming episode here. But I'm very... so. I got to tell you, if you're going to get off a cruise ship and you're going to be depressed, your cruise is over. When you have a cruise in less than three weeks, it's a lot easier to kind of manage that. It's like, oh, yeah, I can get used to this. So there you go. Our first email this week comes to us from Rebecca Hightower of Bethany, Louisiana. Writes, good morning, Matt. Let me start by saying that I'm hooked on cruising when my sister invited me on a carnival cruise in 2010. I thought I'd never set foot on a ship. Well, I was wrong. It was just a four-day cruise out of Galveston. It was an all-girls trip. We had a blast. Since then, I've been on 12 carnival cruises out of New Orleans and Galveston. There are ports that are within three to five hours driving distance from our home. Now, I plan our first ever Royal Caribbean cruise in August 2019 for five days on Enchantment of the Seas out of Galveston. Those, will, those that will be going with my sister, myself, and my friend and my daughter, which are all adults. We're super excited and ready for some rest and relaxation. I've been binge watching your YouTube videos of the ship and listening to your Royal Caribbean blog podcast. Love the podcast. I'm looking for the five-day cruise compass for Enchantment of the Seas out of Galveston. I know it's new to Galveston, but I looked on the blog and only the three to four days were posted there. Rebecca, thanks for the email, and I'm so glad you're checking out Royal Caribbean. What I have on the blog is what I have. I don't keep a secret archive of cruise compasses, but Rebecca, I post probably three to five cruise compasses a week on there. So keep an eye on it. Maybe by the time you get to your sailing, before your sailing, you get an idea. Also, Rebecca, uh, maybe three to four weeks before your sailing, check the Royal Caribbean app. Uh, if, you if you're on a ship that has the new Royal Caribbean app on there, which I believe Enchantment of the Seas has, I'm checking on it right now as I'm just talking to you about it. If you are on a ship that has the, the app support, 
about a couple, like I say, about three to four weeks beforehand, you will get some sailings available uh, to see, and then you can go in there and actually look at your sailing. Heck, you can go look at random sailings right now uh, that are on there. But I'm just checking. Enchantment of the Seas is one of them. That's what I thought. So anyway, uh, what you can do, Rebecca, is open up the app, log in. It's the Royal Caribbean International app. Uh, log in over there. And then what you can do is actually click on, see the list of ships, supported ships. Click on Enchantment of the Seas, and you'll see. I, I can look at the next five or so sailings. Actually, way more than five. It's probably the next. I can probably, there's all the way through August 23rd. So you can find a lot of different sailings. Just click on them. You can see all the, the activity, or at least a good idea of what to expect. I know it's not quite the same thing as the Cruise Compass, but... Better than nothing, right? Thank you, Rebecca, for the email. Next email is coming to us from Erica. It writes, hey, Matt, recently booked my first cruise on Symphony of the Seas in December last week. Super excited. Thanks for all the info. Couple of questions. If I want to book two short excursions through Royal Caribbean for the same day, how can I tell what time they'll be at to see if I can do them both? Will more short excursions be posted as time gets closer? I notice I can't reserve show times and activities for onboard. When should those become available? Also, typically, how long does it take to get off the port at our stops and what time do we have to be back on board before we depart again? Super excited for my first cruise, but also nervous. I might miss out on things if I'm not fully prepared. Erica, thanks for the email. And you know what? I, there's nothing right. You're doing the right thing by being prepared. That's the key. I think you're, too many people just show up to the cruise. And anyway, I don't want to go off on a tangent about that, but love hearing that. All right. So to book two shore excursions, the way you'd have to figure it out is when you go to book a shore excursion, let's say you pick one, add it to your cart. The next thing it's going to do is after you add select the people that are going on it, it'll give you a time. So you have to figure out two things. Number one, how long is the excursion? And number two, then look at the starting time. So if the excursion is supposed to be four hours, and your starting time is 9.30 a.m., well, then you'll count ahead, you know, 10.30, 11.30, 12.30, 1.30, you'll be done around 1.30, 2 o'clock or so, so you wouldn't be able to book anything really until, I would say, 2, 3 o'clock at the earliest, right? So, in this, sometimes short series will have one start time because that's the only time there is. Other times, there's multiple ones. When we were in Alaska, you know, if you wanted to do the Meet the Puppies, there was like seven different times you could do them. Uh, on any given day. I might be exaggerating here a little bit, but the point is that you can choose different times in order to do that. In the Caribbean area, that's less common. So I wanna you know, set up that expectation to begin with. But in terms of will more shortages be posted as time gets closer? Possibly, but Royal Caribbean's options are pretty much set in stone for the most part. They don't add a ton there. So I wouldn't expect to see like, you know, double what you see now. Would there be maybe one or two added? It's possible, but that's kind of what you're looking at. And don't forget, Erica, you can always book excursions on your own. In terms of when you can start booking show times and activities for onboard Symphony of the Seas, there is no set time. It used to be pretty standard that around, you know, 70 to 90 days before you're sailing, it would show up there. But nowadays, that number is creep down. It seems to be a lot closer to your sail date. So just keep checking back, Erica. It will eventually show up there. Could be as short as 45 days. I think for our Anthem of the Seas cruise that I, that I mentioned earlier in the show that we're going on in three weeks, I think the entertainment for that showed up about two or three weeks ago. So that was pretty close to sail date. Now that's probably atypical, but worth noting as well. So just keep checking back there. And in terms of how long it takes to get off the port out of your stops and what time to be back on board, when you get off the ship, there'll be a what's called the all aboard time. That is the time you must be back on board. That's the last minute you can be back. So if all aboard is 4.30, do not plan on being back at 4.30, Erica. Plan on being back, in my opinion, plan on being back by 2.30. Just a pad, you never know what's gonna happen. So that'd be my advice, number one. Uh, number two, in terms of how long it takes to get off the ship, there's a variety of factors. Since you're on Symphony of the Seas, you will not be tendering. That means you won't be taking little tender boats. Symphony's too big for that, they can't handle it, so it's only docking, which makes it a whole lot faster. I mean, if you're getting off the ship at like, you know, 10 a.m., you and everyone and their mother's gonna try to get off the ship at 10 a.m. because everybody could sleep in, it's a lot easier. But in general, it's pretty good. I mean, usually they'll have 
two different gangways open. It's, in my experience, most of the time it goes a lot faster than you might think. There can be cases, the probably the time where it gets really backed up is if you dock at a late time. So like, let's say your docking doesn't begin until 10 or 11 a.m. Well, nobody's sleeping anymore, right? Literally everybody's awake and everybody has the exact same thought at the same time, like, let's go off the ship. You could run into problems there. And when I say problems, I just mean you might have a wait to get off the ship there. But in most cases, your ship gets to the port probably, I mean, I've seen seven, eight, nine, eight, seven or eight a.m. And you know, that helps spread out the crowds a little bit because a lot of people tend to sleep in and whatnot. But I think you'll be fine. I wouldn't worry too much about that. Just pay attention to what time your shore excursion begins and then you should be good to go. Erica, thanks for the email. Really appreciate it. Uh, let's go on to our next email. It is from Dave who writes, hi, my name is Dave. I really enjoyed listening to your podcast. I had a quick question. A lot of podcasts I hear about these absolutely low prices. I want to get your opinion if I got a good deal. This is my kid's first cruise and my first time on Royal Caribbean. I went on Carnival two times back in 02 and 05. I'm going on Harmony of the Seas. We have a promenade view interior. Single dad with a 13-year-old son, 11-year-old daughter, and 9-year-old son. We have the BOGO 50% off rate. So my costs are uh, $5,746 minus $1,439 discounts plus $566 in port fees and taxes. Comes out to a grand total of $4,873.08. So $4,873. We're also giving a $50 onboard credit. I know you recommend two rooms, but financially I'm trying to stay within a budget. I use a travel agent and got a refundable rate. Also, I was wondering which excursion would you recommend? Uh, we live in Florida, so I don't enjoy going to, so do enjoy going to the beach. But I don't think my kids want to do snorkeling, uh, zip lining, or anything too adventurous. That is the joy of having three kids in different interests. All right. Did you get a deal? $4,800 for a seven night cruise on Harmony of the Seas in a promenade view interior. I would say you paid about average. You're on Harmony of the Seas. Harmony is the, well, it's the second newest Oasis class. It came out just a number of years ago. So it's pretty new. So you're, you're paying a premium for that. Four people in the room. I mean, could you have done better? Absolutely, of course. But I don't think you got hosed by any means. I mean, I think you probably paid what I would consider to be average. Maybe, you mentioned you went in uh, early June on this cruise. So you're in the summer season. You pay a little bit more again because everyone, all the kids are out of school. As opposed to if you got on that same sailing back in, you know, February when all the kids were in school probably a different price point, but I don't think that's too bad, honestly, especially for four. I mean, for if you'd gotten two rooms though, I bet you, I would have been surprised, Dave, what the price would have been for two rooms, like whether they're connecting or not, like nearby rooms, whatever, with two and two in the room. I would be surprised if the price wasn't very close to what you got there, but it's not a bad price. You know, when it comes to pricing, there's a lot of factors involved. Number one, time of year you're going. Number two, the ship you're on. Uh, and number three, of course, are other how many people are in your group and things of that nature. You know, the time of year, June, and it's summer season, high season, you're gonna get, you're gonna pay a little bit more than again you would other times of the year. But I think more importantly, number two, which is the the ship you're on. If you're on a newer ship, you're paying more of a premium. If you got on that same sailing, Dave, and gone on Liberty of the Seas or um, Grandeur of the Seas, you probably would have paid a fraction of that. Now, of course, you live in Florida. Why would you go to Galveston, Texas, or Baltimore, Maryland? There you go. Don't forget, Dave, you probably didn't pay for airfare. Like a lot of folks who were coming down for that cruise from elsewhere in the country, saving you even more money. So you got a good, you got an, I think you paid about an average price. I don't think anyone's going, oh my gosh, you got hosed. I don't think anyone goes, oh my gosh, you got the best price in the whole wide world. I think it's about, it's 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 a reasonable price. I would have, and I'm not sure when you booked the sailing, uh, perhaps if you'd booked it earlier, that might've helped with your pricing as well. But I think you did, I think you did pretty good there, dude. Uh, you mentioned uh, excursions, but you didn't give me which I which itinerary you're doing, whether it was Western or Eastern Caribbean. But of course, Dave, you can always get recommendations for good shore excursions on the Royal Caribbean blog message boards at royalcaribbeanblog.com. 
gmail.com. So check out our message boards. We have a great message board dedicated to shore excursions. Next is an email from Kendra Kuhlman of Ohio. Hi, Matt. I recently started following and listening to your blog. We're cruising in September on Harmony of the Seas. How do you suggest we travel from Orlando Airport to Port Canaveral? We will fly in on Saturday and our cruise leaves on Sunday. Do you have a hotel that you recommend? Thanks for all you do for the cruisers. You're very informative. Thank you, Kendra. Appreciate the kind words. Definitely to get to, the, there's two choices in your, in my opinion, for your situation. Number one, you either rent a car or number two, you take a Lyft or Uber ride over there. You're going the night before. So Kendra, I don't know what time you're getting into Port Canaveral or Orlando for this. If you're getting into Orlando at like 6 p.m. and all you're gonna really do is get from the airport to your hotel, have dinner and call it a night, and then go to the port the next day, that's all you need. But Kendra, if you're gonna come in at like 9 a.m. or even lunchtime, and you wanna go do some stuff in and around Port Canaveral, or Orlando for that matter, I don't know, a rental car may be a better idea for you. I think the simplest solution is definitely to just take a Lyft or Uber. It's very straightforward, very economical. And in my opinion, it's just, it's the easiest way to go. Not to mention, you don't have to worry about returning the car or anything like that, it's just, very, very effective, if you will. So those are your two choices, but the rental car is a great idea if you want to do more than simply just go back and forth. Also, if you have a larger family or you have young kids and need to have car seats, rental cars may just be your only option, quite frankly. You could also do car services. I'm not a huge fan of car services. I just don't think the price makes a lot of sense and you don't have the flexibility that you have with a rental car. So, uh, you know, again, depends on your situation, but those are the two choices I would consider there. Here's a hotel I recommend. There's a lot of great hotels in and around the area. Actually, what you might consider doing, Kendra, don't overlook Orlando as a place to stay. You might say, well, why, man? I'm going to Port Canaveral. The hotel selection in Orlando is vastly larger than Port Canaveral. Orlando is a major city, major tourist area. There are tons and tons and tons of hotels, and that means tons and tons and tons of competition. And you can find some great deals there, not to mention, you might find some more things you want to do in Orlando. There's a lot of tourist attractions, things to do over there. And then what you would do then is get maybe a better rate on a hotel or whatever the case may be, find a hotel you love there, and then take the lift ride over to the port in the morning. Alternatively, if you just want to go to the port, make it simple, no problem there as well. Uh, the Radisson and the Marriott are two that definitely get high rankings. In a situation like this, Kendra, you know what I do? I don't have one I've stayed at. I've only stayed at one hotel recently in Port Canaveral. It's not good for a one night. It's good for if you want to do two or three nights. That would be the Holiday Inn Cape Canaveral Beach Resort. If you want to do two or three nights there, I recommend it highly, great, great spot. But for one or two nights, what I would, or for just one night, what I would do is go to a website like Priceline.com, put in a filter for name your own price or the Express Deals is actually the easier one. Express Deals, put in the filter for Cape Canaveral or Merritt Island, whatever, Cocoa Beach, I forget which one it is. Put four or five stars as your limit, so filter just for those and find the best deal you can find there because you're gonna find a great, at four or five stars, you're finding a pretty good hotel at a great rate. I that's what I love uh, a website like Priceline.com to find hotels because for one night in which you're not too picky, like you don't have to be in a particular area or one brand or another, it's great for those kinds of things. So there you go. Uh, Kendra, I hope you have a great cruise, Kendra. It's, I think you're having an awesome, awesome time there. And our last email to this week comes to us from uh, Jacob, who writes, my, Matt, my wife and I are going on our second cruise on Anthem of the Seas. We booked a junior suite for this cruise and leaves in March, 2020. What are some great things you have to do in Nassau, Bahamas? Also, any suggestions on what to do in Cape Canaveral? We have a port day there on the days. Sorry, last question. What's your experience with eating in Coastal Kitchen? Good, bad, great. Also, we can't wait to go do Perfect Day at Coco Key. We love the podcast and always looking forward to listening to it every week. Keep up the great work. Jacob, thanks for the emails, dude. Nassau, Bahamas. I have, well, I have two suggestions I always give. One is if you want to do a beach day or outdoor day, 
I would recommend highly the British Colonial Hilton. The other is if you want to do something different or you want to stay away from the elements or whatever, is the, you go to the flight simulator, there's Jetline Simulations, uh, you can book that. It's actually, it used to be available through Royal Caribbean. It's not available through Royal anymore, but you can still book it on your own. Go to their website, just Google Jetline Simulations. You'll find it there. Basically, it's a, it's a 737, Boeing 737 flight simulator. It's a lot of fun, very, very different. But again, with the uh, going back to the British Colonial Hilton, the problem with that is currently, as of the recording of this podcast, they're actually refurbishing their pool. I would not recommend it right now. If you are looking to go there, call the hotel, double check, double verify that the, the construction is done, essentially, um, by the time you go. But you can get a day pass for there from a website like resortforaday.com. But make sure, again, you check to make sure if it's the pool work is being done. Because I think in its current state, I, have, I would not recommend it because they're obviously with the work being done, it's not quite the same experience. But anyway. Um, those are my, my two, my two go-to choices. You know, Atlantis is always, it's a great choice, just super expensive. I just, I can't, I can't justify from that standpoint, but if money's no object, Atlantis ain't bad idea. And in terms of what to do in Cape Canaveral, by far the best thing to do in Cape Canaveral is Kennedy Space Center. It is amazing. You don't have to be a space nerd or a geek at all to enjoy it. It's, it's, it's incredible to see the amount of history and learn about what, uh, the space program has done in the last half century plus it's it's incredible you have to see it it's, it's just I didn't expect to like it all that much and I was blown away by it so really really nice and my experience with Coastal Kitchen unfortunately I am like the worst person to ask about Coastal Kitchen I've been there a couple times on a couple different shifts the problem is I feel like Coastal Kitchen is best for dinner uh, and, and it's probably weakest for lunch number then it would be uh, breakfast and then dinner my kids are too picky yet to enjoy dinner and we prefer some of the other dining venues for dinner personally. But Coastal Kitchen has amazing service and a really good menu. So I would say you should definitely check it out. If you're staying in a suite, um, Coastal Kitchen, by the way, if you have no idea what it is, is a suites only uh, complimentary restaurant on certain Royal Caribbean ships that have the Royal uh, Suite class, right? And um, you get basically, depending on which suite you have there, you may or may not have admission into Coastal Kitchen. and. I say I'm the wrong person to ask because I, I rarely eat there. So I'm not, I don't speak from a great deal of experience. Um, and again, I mostly went there for like lunches and I was not impressed by lunch. But I think a lot of Coastal Kitchen fans will tell you their lunch is not the best lunch menu in the whole wide world. But their dinner menu, especially I understand their steak, is supposed to be amazing. So um, give it a try. I would definitely say give it a try. Look at a day and look at the menu in the main dining room or other restaurants and go. I mean, it's included. It's hard to go wrong with that one. So Jacob, thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody. And if you want to have your email featured on this podcast, all you have to do is send it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hochberg, and we'll talk again real soon.